And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. DNDR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNDR20. You'll get 20% off your entire order of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNDR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we get to dive deep into the Colorado Rockies offense, their lineup, their potential to score runs. Is it especially high? Not necessarily, but we're going to look at a few permutations of how it could outperform expectations, why it might just meet expectations. Maybe in some ways it could fall short of some people's expectations and um, even take a look at a few other places where they could add some offense to this lineup. We're going to get inside the things like how do you structure this lineup properly to get the absolute most out of it? The strategies behind that. There's so many things, but it's just, it's an early look, Patrick, at just the Rockies offense. How are they going to get these bats to score some runs? That's what this game is about at the end of the day. There's a, a lot to build around. Obviously, when you've got three all-stars in Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, and Charlie Blackman, and it's really about those spots around them and and seeing if you want to stretch the order out and separate those guys as much as possible to give protection to some of those younger guys or is the best strategy to bump them together and just hope everybody around them can do that. We'll look at the, the left-handed lineup when there's a lefty on the hill, when there's a righty on the hill to, to give you an idea of with what kind of several pr- platoons there could be where guys are splitting time at first or second base or even at center field, what that could look like. And, or again, if a guy stand, steps up and, and stands out, hey, he's he might be in there for both righties and lefties. And this is essentially what Bud Black is doing. And we're gonna we might see a lineup where you say we need a free agent here. We need to make a move somewhere. And I'm sure that's what Bud Black and, and all the Rockies front office are kind of banding about right now. Where could this lineup improve upon given the current 26 man roster? So if you're here with us on the live, and remember that we are live at roughly 4.05, Monday through Friday, uh, every day. And then, of course, on uh, Wednesday, you got to join us for that DFA show. we got a fun one, especially for you pro wrestling fans coming up. Share with us the lineup that you'd most like to see, the one you think the Rockies could get the most out of, and inject your favorite free agent or trade target into it if you want to do that as well, so we can get a look at that. One other thing I wanted to do as a framing device before we start getting into the nitty-gritty of putting these lineups together is remind everyone about this ongoing conversation with OPS Plus and uh, adjusting for Coors Field and the, the research that Patrick and I have put together through Rocky's history of what their you know seasons in the past have shown us where in 2007 and 2009 you've got these teams where you've got five guys who are above average in terms of OPS plus, and then a few other guys who are solidly contributing like Dexter Fowler, or, uh, you know, he would have been in 09 and 07. Those guys would have been casual Matsui and Willie Tavares, uh, those types of guys, you know? So then, uh, in 95, you know, had, had some similar teams, uh, situations, but then you've got these 17 and 18 teams that were carried by, only a handful of players who came in with OPS plus numbers over a hundred and other guys just having to pull enough weight. And so I think that kind of sets this clear bar. In fact, both the 17 and 18 teams uh, had team OPS plus rankings of 90, which I think have, uh, you know, in the research we've identified here, Pat is basically represents the floor of what Colorado Rockies can do as an offense and make the postseason. 
Uh, I think it was the year 2000, they put up an 87 team OPS plus with Todd Helton nearly hitting 400 for the year and, you know, couldn't get it done. And so that's just, yeah, it's like you, you fall beneath that no matter how good your pitching is, it doesn't matter. So I think this offense, you know, has to find a way to surpass that 90 or at least get there. And then you, you need the pitching to be extraordinary. Yeah, and if the players can be a little bit more clutch and, and come up in those big moments where, again, you steal games that you probably shouldn't have won or days in which the starting pitching does all of the heavy lifting, which which sounds strange. But uh, in the past, we, we know that kind of heavy lifting maybe was six innings and uh, you know three earned runs, which was a, a typical quality start. Now it, it might look a little bit different than that. It might not even you know be as good but yet at the same time we understand that a quality start at, at Coors Field is, is that much harder to come by and you know when we look at things like ERA plus the the typical standard stats that we would normally look at they can be incredibly deceiving and you know the the batting average on balls in play which is another one of those interesting statistics to look at for Rockies hitters who again, get a little bit luckier at home, and which means their pitchers are getting unluckier at home, and they're getting given up some some hits that wouldn't normally be hits in a much smaller outfield in the other 29 ballparks across the game. So it very well could be that the pitching carries this team in a lot of ways, at least the starting pitching, and I think the bullpen certainly couldn't be worse than it was last season. And, and all it really takes is for them to – win enough key games when they need to or are, are fortuitous enough or get an, an easy schedule early on, kind of like we saw in the beginning of 2020 with, uh, you know, seeing the Rangers in Oakland when, when they weren't at their best. And again, a couple of things fall the right way. It, it's not going to take a lot for the lineup to finally, uh, you know, be able to, to come through when, when they need to in the clutch. It might not be exciting. It might not be, you know, incredibly sexy, but there's definitely enough potential and enough materials here to suggest that you know this lineup might be able to hang in there with with some of the rest of the clubs in the NL. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, I, I think there are certain things that some people look at as man, that's a really long shot. I look at as you know, well, we'll we'll, we'll get into those when we get to those players. Let let's save that conversation when we start talking about particularly. Um, those guys but why don't you go ahead and throw a lineup at us why don't we just start looking at one and then we'll get into some of the nuance of how it breaks down and, and what works and doesn't work about it so i think we got opening day this year at coors field for the first time in quite a while april yeah. 1st that's not a joke uh, but season will start on a thursday this year against the los angeles dodgers so there will be a lot of eyes on Coors Field, which will be very exciting. Hopefully we do have fans there. And this is what I'm projecting the starting lineup to be. And this is a good jumping off point with Herman Marquez taking the ball in game one with Elias Diaz behind the plate. Now, when I was looking at how to construct this lineup the best way possible, it really became about you know Story, Arenado, and Blackman. And we really haven't seen Nolan Arenado batting fourth. I think he prefers to make sure he gets that bat early in uh, it, or rather not early, but in the first inning, which is pretty early, but get a first inning at bat he does, and, yeah. and go from there. Uh, so that, that guarantees him to come up. It gives him uh, each spot in the order that you increase by is another 15 uh, at bats or plate appearances over the course of a season. So the higher up a guy is, uh, the only issue with with putting Arenado third, if that's kind of what you're building around, is do you stack Story and Arenado together, or are, are, do you need to separate those guys? So here's what I've got: uh, Trevor Story batting leadoff, not the prototypical leadoff hitter, but in this lineup he would be hitting leadoff. I see on opening day in left field, Ryan Altapia batting third and playing third, Nolan Arenado in right field and batting cleanup, Charlie Blackman in center field, batting fifth is a question mark, man. Don't know. Uh, I don't know who that is. We may need to discuss free agency and trade targets, but I think that's a spot that we need to talk about because Ryan McMahon might, might not be ready for it. We want him to be ready for it. And we think by mid season, he very well could be, but right now, you might not want to heap that much pressure on him. So I've got that as a question mark. 
batting sixth and playing first base, Ryan McMahon. Given an opportunity to the young guy and Brendan Rodgers batting seventh and playing second base, Elias Diaz hitting eighth, Herman Marquez batting ninth. What's your take on this opening day lineup, Drew? So this basically splits into two halves, right? You've got your first four guys who, as eight so so often can be split equally into two halves of four. Um, the, these first four guys, I think you could flip some some order around kind of however you want, but we all agree these are the first four guys. I like this. I like the idea of Story as a leadoff hitter. I don't know how inclined uh, the club is, but I know they, they did experiment with it a little bit. Um, it, it does allow you to get Arnado up there in the first inning, like you said. I could see just flipping the righty-lefty situations. You've got Tapia leading off, then Story, then Blackman, then Arnado, like you said. Uh, I like that. I do like that, but I I just worry that the team does not want Arenado batting fourth with nobody batting behind him. Or rather, maybe Nolan doesn't want that. Doesn't well, want I, a yeah. question mark hitting behind and, him. Or a young Ryan McMahon. And this was a big problem in the short 2020 season, right? Is right. that whoever was batting fourth at any given time, because they kept going back and forth between Blackman and Nolan. And when Blackman was hot, he was batting third. And then Nolan was really having his struggles batting fourth and then for a little while they switched it and Nolan got on a little bit better before he he really just kind of fell apart anyway and as we know now it was injured so probably had, I, don't, I don't know that it had to do with where he was batting but I, I think you're right as a longtime defender of lineup protection uh that, I think it was actually the first series of analytic articles I really dove into numbers on was uh talking about lineup protection and how I really do think it's something that exists despite the fact that it's difficult to prove through the statistics but this is one of those areas where it's like that they didn't have Daniel Murphy last year. And, and so, yeah, where you're exactly right to highlight at that point of Ryan McMahon or question mark at five is where the Rockies lineup really does have its biggest problem right now, in my estimation. And I'm, I think more positive than you are. I don't think it'd necessarily take to mid season. I would be among the least shocked people in the world. If Ryan McMahon just got off to a start and was just, an all-star sure. caliber player, you know, and kind of uh, from from wire to wire next year. Uh, he's the kind of guy I think is just ready to play and ready to break out uh, at this level. We obviously haven't seen it yet, so there is reason to pump the brakes. We know about his peripherals with the you know the barrel percentage and the exit velo and all that stuff looks good. We know exactly what the problem is, Patrick. He plays great defense at third, second, first. When he hits the ball, he hits it really hard. There's there's one problem with Ryan McMahon on the baseball diamond right now, and he swings and misses too much. That's it. Yeah. And it's, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. <laughs> so, you know, but that's one where I, I do see him as a potential guy taking over that fifth role. But you're right. If that's what's causing those issues there with Nolan and, and Charlie, I think that's a great target to go out there. And whether it's another first baseman or, a, or an outfielder, and you've got someone specifically for the role of hitter after the cleanup guy. Uh, protection that actually Daniel Murphy was okay at providing when he was going well, and then just yeah. wasn't that anymore. He just, in an instant, stopped being it. No, absolutely. And the the thing that I like about this uh, projected opening day lineup I have <laughs> is that it is entirely left, right, left, right, until you get down to yeah. the bottom of the lineup. So that's one of the reasons why I, I set it up that way. And um, again, maybe maybe you have Tapia playing center field. Um, I, I wouldn't prefer that because, you know, with with this yeah. idea that, hey, you need a center fielder, that that's right-handed, that's another reason why you'd want to separate Blackman and McMahon, is now, now you, you very clearly are almost saying, okay, we have to have Kevin Blar back. We need someone who can play center field, bat right-handed. Right. Or, you know, or you could have Tapia play center field, uh, defense might suffer a little bit there. And you have somebody else in left field. I don't think Marcelo Zuna is going to be uh, uh, the fit that maybe was first <laughs> discussed about, but that certainly would make the lineup a lot more potent. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And I, and I think you're probably looking at, at somebody else in there. If you can't go out and get a free agent or swing a trade, then I think you are sliding McMahon up to fifth and then sticking either Hilliard or Hampson uh, as Will says, um, into that spot and and that whole and then that whole bottom half of your lineup really is these giant question marks where everyone's got potential if it's McMahon, Hilliard or Hampson, Rogers, D 
Diaz, it's not an automatic disaster, but it could become one very quickly. Um, and, and so I think, you know, yeah, that's that's why you, you sort of go out and, and talk about it. You know, back to the question about the OPS plus numbers. If you're look, looking at just the career numbers for, well, you've got Nolan, Blackman, and Story at 120, 116, and 114. And I think you kind of think Story and Nolan will be over those numbers over their career, I think. And Blackman will probably maybe be under, but still over 100. So kind of pencil them in for your three guys. That's a great start, like we saw in 17 and 18. And we like Tapia in there to be a 90 to 96 guy. He was a 96 guy this last year. He's got 80 for his career, but I think we all recognize that he's getting regular starts now. So that's, you know, comparable to the DJ LeMayhews and the Dexter Fowlers and the Eric Young Sr. How, whatever your age is, pick your guy, solid contributor that winning teams have had. You need a couple of those guys. And that's where the question about who from that group of McMahon, Hilliard, Hampson, Rogers, and Diaz, none of whom have. So just real quick, if you want the numbers on them, uh, some of these are, are not great. Uh, McMahon, 82. For his career OPS plus, you need that to get up into the 90s. He was an 88 last year. You need that to get at least into the 90s. Uh, he's, nice right. You, right, you said it before, too, about, about hitting the ball hard because he's highest on the team in the past three years in hard hit percentage. But again, if you're if you're not hitting the ball, you, it's okay if you're a three-true outcome guy. But, you know, McMahon is one and a half at best, and, and the one that he is, the strikeout, is the worst part. He right. hasn't hasn't right. totally unlocked the home run key yet. You know, we saw it in, um, in in eighteen and nineteen a little bit, a lot more so in nineteen. And last year didn't didn't come to fruition, but the walk isn't there. So, man, when he puts the bat on the ball, there's some potential. But as you said, you know, looking at his his OPS plus, it definitely leaves a you know, it leaves a lot to long for. Yeah. Elias Diaz has a career mark of seventy four. And, you know, put up a 62 this last year, a 60 the year before that. Now, he was pretty good the year before that. But, and I think a lot of people see him emerging a little bit more. You saw the way, and he's definitely better than what the Rockets had before, the 50-something that Tony Walters was putting up. So a 72 or a, even a 65 out of Elias Diaz, and you're doing better there, but you're not getting that length from your lineup that you need somewhere. You need at least two of those guys to come through for you. In the 90s, we feel solid about Maltapia. It's which of these other guys can do it. Josh Fuentes at a 76 for his career, but he put up the 90 last year. So you're looking over there and going, maybe he's a guy that factors into this a little bit. But I do think that Rodgers is the guy in there uh, because his career OPS plus is 15. (laughs) But we know Rodgers played 32 games at the big league level. It's only had 102 plate appearances, and I think that's the place where you could go from having a guy who's been nothing but a drain on the lineup when he's been in there to a very solid contributor, even to somebody who's over 100. Again, I would not be shocked if he put up a 105 OPS plus in regular playing time next year. The most challenging part of, I think, this lineup is in – it, it goes back to the conversations we've been having about, you know, window of, of contention and window of opportunity and, and having numerous guys having their best seasons lined up with one another. And that's how you take advantage of that. And, you know, will all of these guys be able to, you know, play to their, the best of their abilities at the same time? You know, again, there's Rogers has a lot to, to prove and a, and a lot to grow. And same thing with Hilliard and all those guys as they establish themselves. But, you know, the two weeks that Hilliard's, you know, hitting the cover off the ball are those two weeks that Brendan Rogers, not so much. And, and Garrett Hampson is struggling at the plate. And then, you know, maybe Elias Diaz and, and Jonathan Daza, they're, they're hitting homers and reaching base respectively. But now Hilliard starts to slow down a little bit and it's, they're not getting those timely hits when they need it. And I think that's that's where the question marks come in is that, you know, you you don't have enough of those reliable guys. And that's that's maybe one of the reasons why you want to stretch out the the lineup. And and for me, why I said, well, you know what? Tapia can either hit in front of, of Story or Arenado. And and either way, that's going to be, you know, a, a win-win and that's that's gonna benefit him. Um and, and Blackman could benefit from hitting in front of Arenado, but 
um, it, it, it does get tricky at a certain point because there isn't that same lineup protection. And, um, you know, I, I just think story could possibly become, you know, what, what Charlie Blackman is, uh, to this team. And, and if there was maybe some willingness, and I'm not saying there isn't, but if there was more willingness, and I, and I don't necessarily know this is a great strategy. If you move Arenado to clean up and you have maybe Charlie Blackman hitting fifth behind him, now you've got room for somebody else to hit in there. So you've got Tapia, Story. I don't know who's hitting third. David well, so what would I've, have been that guy. But you yeah. stretched that lineup out, and now you've got more run production. But that also means 15 less at-bats for Nolan Arenado, 15 less at-bats for Charlie Blackman, and 30 more at-bats from someone in this lineup that might be not uh, as proven and might be too early to heap that kind of pressure on. Yeah, again, I'm I'm beyond heaping pressure on any of these guys. I think all of them are ready to go and prove what they're like. I, I'm not concerned about heaping pressure on Ryan McMahon or Brendan Rodgers or Garrett Hampson or Sam Hilliard at this point. Like, I think they're ready to go. I think they're ready to prove what they're worth, and I think the time is now. Well, now, they might not all work out. In fact, they won't all work out. But I do think that for all of them, as long as they're healthy, the time is now. Uh, they, they've all got some big league experience. They've all you know, shown an ability to compete to some degree, except Rodgers really just hasn't. Um, and they've all shown their warts. And so in my estimation, it's like, uh, it's time to go. What I've seen people in our Discord chat suggesting, and because I think there's also been this, like, just let the young guys play and let's find out, which is another way to go. Hey, maybe they, maybe they don't have it. Maybe I'm wrong and it does go the other way, but at the very least we'd find out. But to your point just now, is putting Hampson up there near the top. If he's a guy now... He's got a terrible career OPS. He just has not hit enough to have and gotten on base. Batting. He's not gotten on base a lot. No, he strikes just, out a lot as well. Yeah, and, and which is so the thing about that is Hampson did not have a strikeout problem in the minors at all, right? right? And he at the first in the majors wasn't really having that, and then he it, it's become an issue. And so the question is, you know, if this is a guy that again is growing into his own and is finally able to take the skills that he showcased in the minors and translate them to the big leagues. He's not a big power guy. He's not a guy who's going to, you know, it, if you wanted to go classic style though, with two contact speed guys, again, Hampson has to prove he can be the contact guy, but if he is and you run with it, I think that's how that lineup would look. It's Tapia Hampson or Hampson Tapia, however you wanted. Then you go story black or story Arenado and you've got black men as your protection. That would be another way of, uh, but again, Hampson's got to go from his career OPS plus of where, where is the poor guy? 70, you know, up, up to a 90 at the very least to justify that. It's a 20 point jump. Uh, that's huge in one sense. In another sense for a guy who hasn't had a full season of regular playing time and whose minor league stats are much better than what is shown at the big league so far in his minor league just sort of prospect um, status is, was more than what he's shown at the, the big league so far. That's a guy I could see sliding in there. I don't know that there are any other candidates on this roster that I would feel confident in. I guess Rodgers, if he, if he really did start to develop into that kind of all-star type of dude, um, then it's a different kind of number two hitter, right? Then you want Tapia, right. Rodgers... So, and then you've got a too many right-handed hitters in a row problem. I don't know. You figure it out. <laughs> no, I, li- I like where you're going with that. And Rogers is probably that guy that you can move up in that spot. I, you know, I, I, I don't, maybe pressure isn't the right word. I guess I just would prefer that for these young guys, you, you know, you set them up for a little bit more success. Like again, like, you know, protect them in the lineup uh, and what have you. It's not to say that they, they can't be a number three hitter, but you know, if you, if you lose those guys early on because you heap too much on them too early, then, you know, how far does that take that, their, their career back or rather their, their career trajectory? How far does that with force them to reset? You know, I don't, I don't think too much pressure was heaped on, on Kyle Freeland, but we saw that, Man, it got to the point where he had to go down to the minors, and and here we are now, a year and a half later, where we can finally say, okay, I think we know where Kyle Freeland is. So those those issues that he had, and a lot of them probably had to do with just the baseball that was being used in 2019, but that that derailed him from being who he 
was supposed to be for a year and a half. And I, I don't know that the Rockies, I don't know that any team, you know, can afford something like that with a young player, nor do you want that to happen to a young player is, is put him in that spot. And I think in just a moment here, we'll take a look at, um, sort of the, the dream lineup of, Hey, if things go well for these young guys, like we're talking about and Hey, let the kids play. All right. If we let the kids play, here's, you know, maybe what the lineup could shake out, uh, to, to become by the end of this year. And at the beginning of 2022, this could be your opening day lineup. And you might be pretty excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll know to be excited about it, even though other people aren't excited about it because you got yourself nice and educated, not just by us, but by the real experts out there at MSU Denver online, man, they got a great education set up for you digitally. They are the experts. They know how to do the thing. If you're trying to be safe, but also trying to sharpen the mind so that you come out on the other side of this thing, ready to tackle anything that comes your way. Check out msudenver.edu slash online. Whether you're doing a new coursework, man, finishing an old degree, starting up a new one, just want a couple of classes that sound like some fun to take, very responsive teachers that know how to do this digital education thing. They've been doing it for a long time. They are the experts in the field. Check them out again. That's msudenver.edu at edu slash online. Also, if you sharpen your mind, I highly recommend taking that sharpened mind mm -hmm. over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Ooh. That's where you can use it to make a little bit of money. I see you out there talking a big game on Twitter, coming into the comment section, commenting on the dnvr.com. You know. The Rockies are going to be terrible next year. Or maybe you know the Rockies are going to be better than people think. You know that the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. You know that your college basketball team is going all the way this year. I see your confidence. Put your money where your mouth is. Lay a few bucks down. Let's make it interesting, as they say. Find out. Back that confidence up with some bucks. And have a little bit of fun with us in the DNVR Bets community, whether you're chatting up the Bets guys, joining them in the Discord, seeing what the good uh, value bets are, or, or just what's kind of a fun random prop thing you can go after, having a good time. Either way, it's a great time to get in on the action, because right now all you have to do is a dollar on any football game this weekend, and if your team wins, you cash in a hundred that's a fantastic deal. So download the top rate DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get 101 odds on any football game this weekend. Let's go DNVR for new players to get a shot at $101 or $1, $100 on any football action this weekend for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Or only. No, that's not. Let's try that again. Must be 21 or older. Colorado. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I don't often make I don't often make picks on the NFL, but when I do, I'm usually right. I had both the Bills and the Browns last week winning yeah. straight up. And there's a um, couple games out there that I do like, but my DraftKings sportsbook pick of the week, again, is on an eye towards making you money. So it's got to be. TB over NO. Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, any TB you want to call it. Tampa Bay Bucks over the Saints. Right now, Tampa Bay straight up is at plus 143. The line right now is plus three, but do you have any doubt that Tom Terrific, the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, easy. it really isn't easy. close. It easy. really isn't close. It's Calm down. This is. This is a, a, a classic matchup. You're going to rile this up is, my mother. This this is like Goldberg and The Undertaker going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Tom Brady, <laughs> Drew Brees. They're both way older than they should be. They're still in the game. But you know what? I I think we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get a I forgot what, what Goldberg's move is. His his suplex. The Jack that? the Jackhammer. Uh, I was calling a jackknife in my head. Yeah. My DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week is Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a jackhammer over jack the New Orleans Saints. Plus 143. Lock it in. You're welcome. Uh.
I'm back on a winning streak, if you didn't know. Terrible. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I can't argue with you because you're on a winning streak. But My hand's real hot right now, so <laughs> definitely hit that one up. Uh, all right, Patrick, hit us up. Speaking of hitting us up, hit us up with another lineup. Well, if we got some hot hands there from our, our young boys, some yeah. some young, hot-handed boys here. Oh this is this is how I PG see the, 13. Uh, let's. <laughs> this is the hopeful, as I'm calling it, the hopeful yeah. lineup where you still have got Tapia, Story, Blackman, Arenado. Again, left, right, left, right. McMahon yeah. is now hitting fifth. Brendan Rogers is batting safely at six. Sam Hilliard's doing his thing. Which he wouldn't need to at this point because he's hitting seventh, but he's playing that superb defense in center field. And Dom Nunez takes over the starting role as the everyday catcher. And again, keep in mind to be an everyday catcher means you know you're catching three out of every five days, and that would really be ideal right now for Dom Nunez, who still has six years of control. He's never leaving Colorado if the Rockies have their say. And it would be fantastic to see Nunez take a big step forward, see all these guys take a big step forward, not just in the lineup, but just their overall production. And you know what? If it goes this well, as you as you kind of teased before, Drew, maybe Rogers moves to the top of the lineup. Maybe, maybe Hilliard does. Maybe Hilliard's your next Charlie Blackman-type leadoff hitter, of course, You'd have to re-sign Trevor Story if you want this to roll over to 2022. That's all. <laughs> right, right, right. For Remember, we are for now focusing just on the 2021 season because there are going to be problems here with <laughs> potential problems with a lot of these for I hadn't heard. Uh, years further. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is definitely one where I could see this being a really good lineup for the Rockies where I think a lot of people would look at this and go, oh, man. But uh, – Again, McMahon and Rogers getting not just into the 90s. I almost expect those guys to get over a 90 OPS plus this next year. I would be among the least shocked people in the world if they're over 100. If both of those guys are all-stars, I wouldn't be that shocked. And I know for Rogers that a lot of people, again, you look at his career numbers, he's among the worst. I want to do a real quick aside on Brendan Rogers, uh, just because I found this today. Uh because we're we're looking at that. This is WRC plus because Fangraphs keeps these stats, but they're pretty close. Um, but just starting in 2015 in Grand Junction, his rookie year, 95. Then A ball, right. 136. Right. A plus ball, 184. Right. Double uh, A, 104. His first year in Double A, and he was very young. But okay, repeat Double A in 2018. Okay, how about a 129 for you? Yes. Boom. Now, 2018, by far the worst year of this point in his pro career. In 19 games at the AAA level, 72 played appearances. He only walked 1.4% of the time. Don't even know that's possible. Struck out 22.2% .2 of the time. Hit 232, 264, 290 for a 44 WRC+. Abysmal. Right? So, of course, got to send him back to AAA. 37 games, 160 plate appearances in AAA. He walked 8.8% of the time, struck out only 16.9% of the time, hit 354, 13, 622 for a 147 WRC plus, the second best mark of his pro career. And those 19 games in AAA, okay, so we got 32 game sample size in big leagues. More but not significantly more. 72 plate appearances versus 102 plate appearances. He's come back from an offseason of being terrible and been the hitter that he was profiled to be, that he was drafted as, that he's been throughout the rest of his career before. So again, am I expecting Brendan Rodgers to come out and put up a 140 WRC plus or OPS plus at the big league level? No, but if he hit like 120 on his OPS plus, plus next year i'm not going to be shocked i'll be like wow there it is finally you know in a way but he's 24 years old uh if it's 105 i won't even be surprised yeah if we're going and setting the lines on DraftKings sportsbook you are not going to get a lot of a payout for brendan rogers to read you know to lead this this group of young unproven guys that that we have in the lineup whether it's you know Sam Hilliard, Dom Nunez, even Ryan McMahon. I think you'd even be, you know, right. you'd be hard pressed to say, eh, you know what, Rogers could actually have a better 2021 than Ryan McMahon. It wouldn't be shocking. It might be disappointing, depending on how well Ryan McMahon played. 
but certainly you could see that being the case because yeah, the pedigree is there. He's shown it at every single level. He's been very young and he's just been so banged up that we haven't got a, a chance to really see him do his best. I think, you know, in, in some ways, Colorado and, and, and all teams do this. We're probably trying to keep his, uh, you know, service time down because again, you get to hold on to him uh, for, for an extra year in his prime instead of letting him go as a free agent after his age 28 season. And now you got him until he's 29. Again, every team does it. No evidence that they did exactly that because you can't prove that. But nevertheless, I think there was some of that going on. And well, I was even actually now it's not an issue. Now they can yeah. just play, right? They now can they just can just play. play. And, yeah. and I, I will say, I, I was told by some people, and it's, you know, who knows how trustworthy they were, that the internal conversations were that he, they did not feel he was ready, that the Rockies more or less felt pressured into it. And take your back to this self back at this moment in time, right? I read off those numbers of what Rogers was doing in 2019, hitting 350, right. a 147 WRC plus in AAA. Remember where the Rockies were in 2019, hanging on for dear life that terrible stretch but then they come back from it to get themselves six games over people aren't happy but they're hanging in there they're going in getting no production at second base uh that they thought they were going to get from mcmahon who also got himself hurt and then rogers is right there and the clamor was just and, and it was too straight a logical line to drop it made too much sense you need production in your lineup you need someone to play second base you have brendan rogers we all look at the stats and so they called him up, but people were telling me at the time that the coaches didn't think he was quite ready to adjust to the major league level. Um, it, it, we had talked about at the time how quickly it was after a very serious head injury um, that, that he had had. You know, so there, there's it, that's why, in my estimation, it's like what we've seen from Brendan Rodgers at the major league level so far is almost irrelevant. It is. Um, it's a hundred percent irrelevant. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I just – we're going to see a different guy. How is it a guy who's, you know, an 85 WRC plus guy his first year and can't hit for any pop and you're going, ah, damn, okay, this is better but still not what we were hoping for. I think that's what most people are kind of expecting. Uh, but we had people talking on our Discord chat today, even some of our more our cyn- more cynical, if I dare say, uh, readers and listeners saying, I think 2021 is going to be the year of Brendan Rodgers. And I said to them, look, if, if 2021 is the year of Brendan Rodgers, however we might classify that, and there's not a total disaster for the top three guys in the Rockies pitching. They're in the hunt. Are they, you know, now in the hunt with the Padres? No, they're in the hunt for the second wild card spot. If we're really talking about the year of Brandon Rogers in 2021, in my estimation. Yeah. And, and to clarify the, the irrelevance with Brandon, Brandon Rogers is just, what is he going to do now going forward? This doesn't right. mean, you know, he's a failed prospect. I don't think anyone believes that. Now, if no. the conversation has to do something about drafting and developing and getting guys ready, you know, at, at a young age, and oh man, we haven't seen a lot from him, that's a different conversation. But if we're just saying, look, going forward, you know, who would you rather have? You know, Brendan Rodgers, we might not see him on a top 100 prospect lists because he's not a prospect anymore. He's uh, he's gone past his service time, but he's still a 24 year old guy that is is better than a lot of other 24 year old guys around there. And and going back to to what you mentioned about getting called up, that's that touches on what I what I was referencing when I say like pressure, right? And you know whether or not that's that's you know he he gets called up in Philadelphia, they're not throwing batteries at rookies that play second base for the Rockies, so it's not that kind of pressure. But it is you know not necessarily setting him up for success no, because and, like you said, I, okay, hey, I he's going to develop a couple things for sure. You know what? Let him do that down at 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 AAA. Let him do that down with, with Albuquerque, with 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 Glen Allen Hill, and, and those fantastic coaches they've got down there. Rather than at the major league level, where you know when you fail there, you're you're failing in the spotlight. And now nationally, they're talking about you. Fantastic show I listened to Sunday morning uh, called Minors and Majors with Grant Paulson, fantastic guy I got to meet down in Washington D.C. covering the Nationals, and he's a big prospect guru, and and he talks about the prospects that you know again people are listening to nationwide and. Brendan Rodgers comes up, you know, well before he's ready and fails at that level. Now people are talking about it, and it's not a good thing. So I, yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think he's going to have a lot more success. And, and let me even drive a wedge there between um, Rodgers, who I would say I, I still want to be careful with. I'm not handling with kid gloves anymore. Like you said, if, if it's up to me, he's my starting second baseman to start the year no matter what. I'm probably batting mm-hmm. him eighth or 
seventh if, if you if do you let them like do you let them battle at least a little bit do you, I mean, do, you, do you pretend there's a battle, but then really, yeah, yeah. He you gotta give it to him. Yeah, 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 you have yeah, to pretend. You got to yeah, pretend yeah. there's a battle. Yeah, you've gotta, I agree with yeah, that. You, you have to pretend there's a battle, but I'm not throwing them right into two or, or five or six in the lineup or any of that stuff, right? Where right. Uh, I will, where guys like you know, Ryan Tapia is 26 years old. Garrett Hampson's 26 years old. Ryan, Mc, I think they're all 25, 26 now. They've got, even though they haven't played full seasons, and from a statistical standpoint, we're looking at them going. They're still relatively young and have more to prove and, and consistency to show. From a being around the major leagues, they've been parts of three, four, five seasons, some of these guys. So it's like, no, Ryan be ready to hit fifth, you know? Um, and, and no one's a bigger homer for Ryan McMahon than me, but it's just like... I love Ryan Mac. Be ready to go. Be ready to hit five, and and I don't want to, you know... But I, I, I see your point there, but Rodgers is, is a slightly different case for me. But yeah, uh, it, it's something to be aware of. And either way, I think we both agree that... Um, it shows the possibility of the impact of a veteran right. to come in here. So do we have other lineups we want to get before I throw some potential names at you for that? We do. Yeah. So uh, again, as much as we know, Hey, it's great. If you just have a starter that you go, it doesn't matter who's in, it, who's starting for the, the other team, who's on the bump. No, no, no. It doesn't matter. You know, story Arenado. You probably at this point even know Ryan Maltapia is going to be in that lineup. Charlie Blackman, who crushes lefties, so you're not taking him out, even when Clayton Kershaw is on the mound. Outside of everybody else, it's it's are you lefty or are you righty? So against right-handed pitching, this this has some potential. Uh, there's there's a little sexiness to it, if you will. Again, separating the right-handed hitters in, in Story and Arenado. But again, you can load up Blackman hitting fourth, McMahon hitting fifth. I would very much be okay with that uh, against, uh, or excuse me, a right-handed uh, pitcher starter. Sam Hilliard hitting sixth. Brendan Rodgers, I got him in there as, as my starting second baseman. And although it's not necessarily uh, the case that you're going to see uh, a, a platoon based on the starting pitcher, you're not going to see a righty in there, uh, or rather a right-handed starting pitcher, and then immediately, oh, Nunez gets to start. No, it, it depends on the starting pitcher. But if you're drawing up that lineup and you're just saying, you know what, let's just let's just throw back the best possible hitter. You want Nunez, a left-handed hitter, in against a righty. So that goes out of your eight hitters. What? That's five lefties in a lineup that you could stack up. That you know could be fairly formidable uh, against you know a, a middling of the rotation starting pitcher. Yeah, especially when you know two of the righties that you've got in there are Story and Arenado. Uh, you, you feel Not pretty too shabby. Yeah, you feel pretty solid about that. Again, a lot, as we've been saying, relies on the McMahons and Hilliards there to, to do the thing. But, yeah, I can feel pretty good about that. Uh, I would put, like, a, a much, much tamer sell of the same type of argument on Nunez that I've been making for Rodgers. Uh, he doesn't. I don't think Nunez is a future all-star. Um, he could be. I mean, that's if he reaches his absolute maximum potential. But uh, I do think he's one of those guys who could give you an 80 OPS plus that wouldn't shock me. And that's way better than sure. what the Rockies have been getting out of the catcher spot. Over the last. It's another thing that, and, and Patrick, you've been really good about this, about explaining why these advanced stats are so important. And I think people would be inclined to go, well, Tony Walters was bad and Dom Nunez and Elias Diaz are bad. So the Rockies didn't really get better at catcher. But if you go from a 50 OPS plus to a 75 and an 80 OPS plus, do you have a great hitting catcher? No. Have you added value to your baseball team and to your offense? Absolutely. And that, that stuff is important. And so, you know, I think there's some potential there at, with the catching tandem as well. And against a left-handed pitcher, again, there's there's some uh, bats there that can be somewhat formidable. I, I kind of took your advice there and, and slipped Hampson up in the, into the second spot, which, I mean, I think you and I, Hitting in front of Nolan Arenado against left-handed pitching, uh, although I'm a switch hitter, so I mean I don't I don't actually know season to season. I vary, you know, when when, when I'm finding my stroke. But nevertheless, okay, you, you, see, to hit. <laughs> you see uh, a right-handed hitting Hampson batting second. Josh Fuentes moves up uh, to first base. I also have Ryan McMahon not in this lineup, which I think he probably would still get a start uh, at least early on in the season. Uh, Tapia, you could see moving down to more of a uh, run producer type role. I, I don't think you want to get him out of the flow, but you would want to keep him in the lineup. 
Ian Desmond, we know, mashes left-handed pitching. So you stick him out there in left field, which is still another question mark. We got to figure out if Ian Desmond's coming back. And then you had the right-handed hitting Elias Diaz. Yeah. Again, uh, I need a right-handed hitter. You can see from this line, if you go, Oof, there's, there's some questions. Now, again, you put Tapia back up to the top of the lineup. You put Ryan McMahon in here and you say, Hey, let's let these kids hit against the lefties. It's, it's a little bit stronger. And again, you could still have Desmond batting seventh, mashing against those lefties. And there's a possibility that that, you know, still plays out for them really well, but there, there seems to be that need for, for one more, you know, solid right-handed hitting bat veteran right-handed hitting bat. Yeah, there really does. And Patrick, you've just segued me into it too perfectly for me to not swing at that particular pitch, talking about getting pitches to hit. Uh, But that's why one of the first, okay, so the first two guys that I did look at were David Dahl and Kevin Pillar, just to give us an example of where we're at. Now, we know David Dahl isn't coming back to the Rockies. He's going to play for the Texas Rangers next. I don't know. Do you think the the Rockies should trade for David David Dahl? <laughs> just spin that out there. Like, that's a great rumor. Um, that would just, I don't know, could could someone's head blow up, like in scanners? If it uh, did, it would be Rocky's interested in acquiring Dahl from Texas. You go, right. I I don't know what to say to that. What do you say to that? Uh, great move. That would but, be amazing. But WTF? Well, the WTF we get to have all over again is, of course, the Dahl is a career uh, OPS plus now of 103. Now, last year, it was 19. So by far the worst of his career. But the year before that, it was 110. We know what the problem is with all. It's that not enough games, right? Consistency, health consistency, right? Right. Which you can't, you you can't work on that. That's just an impossibility. There's no machine you use for that. Or there's no, there's no dial that you put on the uh, on the fastball machine or anything like that. You can't take extra repetitions in the outfield on fly balls to get your health healthier. Right. So while it is frustrating to kind of look at this lineup and where you had question mark or all of, a lot of the problems we just talked about could honestly be greatly improved by just a healthy David Dahl. There, of course, was always the question about whether or not that's a thing. So I think the other guys we got to compare it to, one list, start with Kevin Pillar, who they just had. He's got a career OPS plus of 89. Last year, he put up a 107 between two different teams. And the year before that, a 92. That's trolling in the area of what we're talking about. Another guy to contribute here, maybe help the young guys not have to play the kind of roles Patrick's talking about. You slide him in there at fifth. If his bat is kind of having a reawakening in his late 20s now into his early 30s here, I guess it's it's mostly he's I think he just turned 32. So in his early 30s here, if it's for real and, you know, you're getting good defense out of him. Uh, I, w- I still wouldn't do it for more than what David Dahl signed and you are going to make a lot of people angry. But looking at these numbers an 89 OPS plus, but playing all the time might be more valuable than 103, but only getting in 60 games. Yeah, he well, he's not going to sign for for three million dollars. No, but the Rockies could bring him back, you know, for you know something like six million dollars. It, it, it's it's crazy how again in this market the Rockies are still having to bid against themselves. And like, yep, yeah, I know in this market, but still you're the Rockies. So a veteran that would normally get a one year deal, you still got to give me two years, you know, or, or give me that option or that buyout for another two million dollars in 2022, and that. That will never change, unfortunately. Right. But they can still have it. There's there's still a way that you could find money there. I think the Rockies really would be be doing their ball club uh, and their fans a little disservice, especially with Bud Black kind of coming out and saying, "Hey, we could use another another bat in the lineup." And again, it doesn't have to be an all star or a guy that even projects to be an all star. Just someone that again maybe takes a little pressure off some of those young guys. And just you know, the Rockies could use a great capable fifth starter which is another thing bud black has asked for uh to 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 eat up innings and 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 do a do a decent job there hey eat up innings out in center field at course because that is something that can take a toll on guys and and we've seen it over the years on on some more than others so you know getting somebody to go out there that's that's just a great insurance policy so that you know you you're not forced to maybe stick ryan maltapi out there who definitely seems a lot more comfortable 
in yeah, left field and, totally. and capable in that way in left field. And Charlie can stay in right and not, you know, try to overdo it and stretch one out and then boom, a hammy goes on him. That's not pretty. Yeah. So, you know, you, you need, you need to get somebody that, that fits out there. That's, that's a right-handed bat for center. Yeah. Uh, not a right-handed bat, but somebody I've seen in this kind of category, similar category there is uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. I know a lot of people have been interested in him from a Rockies perspective. I actually do know that the Rockies have been interested in him in the past for his defensive capabilities, largely career OPS plus though of 94. Put up a 118 this last year, a 90 the year before that. But again, that looks like the kind of contributor. He doesn't quite fit with the lefty-righty situation that we're talking about. But other than that, uh, he would be a guy that, maybe doesn't cost too much, maybe is gettable and maybe helps you solve two problems. Yeah. He's made good money in his career up to this point, did sign an extension with Boston. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, and he's a little bit older too. He just entered free agency. I, I just think this bodes well, this bodes well for, you know, for him to do something he's like that. going to be it, one it, of these guys who ends up having to settle for less than he's probably worth, I think. And there's going to be a yeah, lot of guys. I, I think he'll get a multi-year deal, um, but you know what? Again, if I'm if I'm putting on my could things go the Rockies' way hat, um, it, it very well it very well could. I could see you know JBJ saying, you know what? I can I can sign a one-year deal that that's you know somewhat you know lucrative. I mean, I, I think he's going to be over ten million. I mean, I think he'd you know he'd want maybe fifteen million dollars from Colorado at that point for one year, but he'd be a guy where he could take that and have all that room to spread out at Coors Field, blow up the defensive metrics, and right. be like, okay, how you like me now? Now maybe I can go out and, and get a bigger deal. In fact, that's, that's I don't know, something that I'm exploring right now as I say it, that has DJ LeMahieu maybe changed the face of the Rockies in a sense, where now guys go, hey, maybe I go the LeMahieu route, where I, I go to Colorado for – a year and that sets me up fairly well for my next deal or maybe right. maybe it just makes you blossom up you know even further I, i'm not exactly sure but you know what lemayhu has I, I think just made people look twice at colorado and that it could be the same for not only just the executives in the game but free agents like we're talking about with with pilar and jackie bradley jr yeah uh let me give you my pipe dream guys who don't uh, necessarily fit perfectly on the team if you're a huge believer and just let the kids play and let's find some potential or whatever. But for me, our bat, one bat guy, one bat guy hit good. Uh, the two are they righties on, or lefties? Uh, both of them are no, no. One of them's a righty, one of them's a lefty. Uh, so okay. I'll start with Josh Reddick, Adam Duvall. That's the uh, that's kind of the top again. These are these are pipe dream guys. This is. If the Rockies okay. are going to spend a little more than we think they're going to, but still, you're probably not having to go into the double digits in terms of millions, maybe around in that area. Uh, he's had some great years the last couple of years. So his career OPS plus is 97. The last year he put up a 113, the year before that a 117. Particularly brings pop. He's a better defender than people realize. Uh, can play a little outfield for you and can play some first base. And that's one thing I, I think really really helps in terms of the versatility where if because you don't know which of these guys is going to hit which of them is going to miss and if it turns out that ryan mcmahon is still struggling and you just don't have a first baseman of the future well shoot, put adam duvall there for now and we'll let some of these outfielders uh play a little more and we'll figure it out or if it goes the other way you've you've got you know mcmahon is just raking but neither hampson or hilliard is able to figure it out in the outfield or boom now adam duvall is an outfielder and so, um, you know, he, he's also got some heavier splits, uh, but that's a little bit what we're looking to as well. Somebody who mashes left-handed pitching. And uh, there is one other righty on my list. So I'll get your thoughts on both of these guys, Patrick. Uh, CJ Crone is the other one who I've been mm. after for a long time, who I think is probably out of their budget. But he seems to get undervalued and underrated all the time. He's only working off of a one-year, $6 million deal with Detroit. Um and so it's, you know, I, I don't know exactly how the market, I would assume he gets priced out of the Rockies market. He's the guy on here with the highest career OPS plus at 111, about 139 this last year, 104 the year before that. But a couple of first basemen there, righty mashers, who they 
I think we'd be surprised if they signed these guys, but again, not utterly shocked. And then you're looking at a, a much sturdier lineup. I think Crone is uh, could be the easier target for Colorado to get. CJ Crone. I think I think because of those splits uh, with with Duval and his his potential upside, he could have more suitors. Again, can play the multiple positions, can go to the outfield, do a decent Good job defender. out there. Uh, was projected to make about you know seven point one million dollars in arbitration this year, whereas again, as you said, Crone only made six million dollars last year and was okay. You know, so he probably should get uh, about the same amount. Again, no line of protection in uh, in that Tigers lineup, so um, that that's that's certainly not a shock there. And I think you know with Duval because he's a little bit older, uh, I. I think he may be going to his age 32 season. It's strange because he's just getting into free agency. Kind of flamed out as as a Giants prospect. The Reds totally snagged him, had back-to-back 30 home runs and I think 100 RBI seasons, but hasn't really played a full season. Uh, And again, last year no one played a full season, but since 2018. So um, he probably has a little ring rust uh, there, so to speak, 55-24. Uh, but I would, I, I would, I would love Adam Duvall, and I think all of those guys would be un, under that, you know, ten million dollar price range. And you know, I, I know the Rockies have two uh, pretty talented first base prospects in the pipeline, and, and Michael Toglia and Grant Levine, and, and Toglia still has that potential to to move to the outfield. So if you have to go to second year on CJ Crone, and he seems to be that fit then I'd be fine with that. You know, two years doesn't block those guys. Even a three-year totally. deal, which I don't even think the Rockies would want them for three years. There's there's not a lot of guys getting three years or more uh, deals right now in the game of baseball. Um, but even still, I'd, I think, again, you are you're not you don't have to worry about Levine and, and Toglia being these these big forces that would, would push them out of the way. And I mean that in a good way, like everyone complaining in 2018, hey, right. Tapia, hey, Dahl, let them play. Get out of the way, Para and Cargo. And you go... No, you you need those guys. You want those young guys to have to fight the old lion, you know, the the old king of the pride, and right. and do that battle. And they can play off of each other really well because you you need more of that depth. So that would that would totally be fine. But a two year deal for Crone or, or even for Adam Duvall, why not? Let's do it. Now in a similar category, but not right handed. This is my last of the really exciting guys. Another ball player I've just liked for a very long time um, is Travis Shaw. Uh, lefty bat, career 102 OPS plus, 95 last year, a 45 the year before that. Uh, he had a really rough season. By far, that was an outlier, though. Also a stupendous defender. Only one time in his career, Patrick, has Travis Shaw put up a negative war. Uh, and so it, he's just he, he's a great defender at third, second, or first. Again, you find out which one of these guys are working. You move Shaw around as you need him. Uh, I think you could get quite a bit of it as bat. Bit of a strikeout problem sometimes when he's not going well, uh, but I, I've always liked Travis Shaw. Yeah, he helped win me a fantasy championship in 2017. 31 homers, 101 RBI, uh, 273 batting average, and the best part was that he, you know, he cost me like four dollars of my 240 dollar salary cap. So it was like what a friggin' bargain. So yep, Travis Shaw is is a is a king in my world. He'd be great for the Rockies. I, I think he'd be a nice addition. Again, I, I don't know that they have a spot in the infield for him necessarily, but you know he could be the kind of guy where you know he he's not a picking up a glove fit, and, but, and going to the corner outfield. Yeah, but but yeah, he's he just plays so many positions and and you can kind of move him around and and see what's working. So I agree, not a perfect fit. I just like him. He's a free agent. He doesn't cost too much. I don't think so. Yeah. No, uh, all right. There are two guys that I also wanted to mention that you and I have discussed as potential trade targets of the Rockies really aren't spending any of this free agency money or anything like that. And we've talked about Kevin Kiermeyer from Tampa mm. Bay, who's not known for his bat at all, but career OPS plus 98 last year, 91 year before that 79. But again, I think we get lost so often and the Rockies only have three all-star hitters. They need another all-star hitter like that. would be great. But if they just filled the rest of that lineup with contributors and Kevin Kiermeyer in addition to being a stupendous defender, one of the best in the game, is a contributor with the bat. And I think that that's worth noting. And then the other guy that we've talked about is, of course, catcher Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. Uh, his career OPS plus of 113. 
106 last year, 127 the year before. I mean, that. that Both guys can be had. Both guys can be had. um, And, you know, for not a lot, uh, Contreras, you know, uh, you'd have to pay maybe a little bit more. I know he's he's still in the arbitration years. You might even have two more years left. But. Um, you know, Kiermaier is available. He's, he's a Ray. He's making over $10 million. They don't like typically like doing that. He'll make $12 million in 22, uh, an option for $13 million at age 33 in 2022. So, you know, he, he would be a really great fit. I don't know if you could get Tampa to, to maybe pay down some of that deal. Uh, and, and maybe you even go and you look in their farm system and, and you pluck another Herman Marquez out. I mean, Again, it's it's a small sample size, but Jeff Breidich picked the Rays' pockets. He did that one time. Not a lot of people do that, and, and so so in fact, maybe maybe it's that the Rays fear the Rockies. We we talked about the Dodgers what? losing their only series to the Rockies. Ergo, Rockies are the World Series champ. All right, that's how we're going to use that logic. That's correct. The Rays only Rocks. fear the Rockies because of the Harman Marquez heist. That, that totally so they tracks. can't get them. It's impossible. They're just not going to deal. That the Rays don't make trades within the AL East nor to the Rockies. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what every that's the book. That's the book on the Rays. Yeah. We do have a little <laughs> bit of breaking news, but I wanted to put a, a bow on this part of the conversation, and I and I think that this exercise really brought into clarity for me a couple of things, and and I may do a follow up article on it, and it is that this offense, while there are plenty of pitfalls, has plenty of avenues to get to the threshold that they need to meet to be a postseason team. At the same time, when you look at the difference between the top four guys that you feel pretty confident you can count on and everybody who comes after that, it becomes remarkably clear that adding a player, adding... Again, not a great player. We're talking about a Kevin Kiermaier. Oh, I forgot. I lost out our guy Marwin Gonzalez. Haven't we talked enough in the past about Marwin Gonzalez? Again, a career OPS plus 99 guy. None of these guys we talked about today, they are blockbuster acquisitions. But if you brought one of these dudes in, you could very, very seriously inject a much-needed element into your offense and give them an opportunity to be world leaders no to be enough to back up your pitching staff yeah absolutely one of these guys would switch me from going you know the Rockies just they're not a postseason team too well okay fix the bullpen a little bit more and you're in the fight for that second wild card the one element that we didn't talk about with with uh you know looking at the lineup and it's not a part of the lineup is is depth any one of the guys that we mentioned any one of those guys we mentioned goes down who you got who who you got like who who are the non-roster invites i mean okay jose briseño all right veteran catcher right we saw with drew buter that's that's fine we backup catchers are almost a dime a dozen but outside of that like who else you got and and maybe maybe they do have some some young guys again that that can do a, a serviceable job but you you need uh, you probably need two or three maybe more veteran guys at, at least just to bat like in non-roster Types again. We we right. saw that last year. Chris Owings, Chris Owings, Matt like, Kemp, yeah, boom, pushed his way out of the roster and was fantastic. Matt Kemp, fantastic. Daniel Bard did it in the bullpen. So the Rockies have done a very good job this off season with those non roster invites in the bullpen. Now they gotta they gotta do some they of that. Still, Polar. even if they get Polar or another you know veteran right. outfielder, they still need some more non roster invites. Right, because Brett Boswell, Colton Welker. Or you know, I, I think Colton I want to see him this year. Thing, I want to yeah. see him this year. But it's they'll but come you're up. Right, like, but they're not they're not necessarily ready right now. Nor should they be thrust into that position right now. Totally. Um, so yeah, look, before we get out of here, we will mention. I see y'all in the comments and uh, Robert Murray reporting on Twitter that Antonio Sensatella has agreed to a three million dollar contract with the Rockies for next year, avoiding arbitration. Yep. So. Correct. That's about it. Well done, everyone. <laughs> Good job. I, I'm hoping this leads to an extension. You know, I, I called for Same. it at the, at the beginning of last year. That was the guy that, that has to be cheaper. extended. And and they have to do it from the, from the aspect of Freeland, uh, Senzatella, and, well, 
who's the third guy I'm missing? Oh, well, no, Marquez. Uh, Marquez no, he, Marquez. he has an option. He, he has oh, yeah, an option yeah. beyond that. But both Freeland, you don't want Freeland and Senzatella, free agents in That's the same the offseason, losing right. two of those guys. That right. is a bad recipe. Sign them both, heck. But yeah. but you gotta you gotta sign one of them. So maybe this is kind of that first step in the two parties coming together at the table, making everybody happy. But uh, we gotta see an extension for for one of those guys in yeah. in the next six months at least. You know before the right. end of, end of this next season because after that now it starts to get even more expensive for the Rockies and they're gonna be less likely, rightfully so, to do that extension. Yeah. So they usually do it, it the now. first month of the year. They- did that with Charlie. They did that with Marquez. It's usually in April. They're like, "Hey, everyone, we're having a press conference." Arenado was right there during spring training. So right. you're right. Maybe, maybe we can hope that this isn't necessarily a sign of that. But let's hope that we're going to hear even bigger, better news for Senzatella or Kyle Freeland for Rocky starters. So let us know what you think of this lineup. Does it scare you? Do you actually think, oh, now that I look at it, not so bad? And which one of these guys that we ran through? do you think would be the biggest potential acquisition? Again, we can all dream on, like Patrick said, like Marcelo Zuna, DJ LeMayhew coming back, that kind of thing. But some of these guys who are, are, you know, career around 100 OPS plus, do any of them get you excited? Do you think they fit into a, a platoon well? Do we not? There's one thing is uh, if you got Travis Shaw for a platoon with Josh Fuentes at first base, you would just have extraordinary defense and potentially some great hitting there. Stuff like that. It's just, think on it let us know what you think uh and uh yeah which one of these guys you want which uh i'll tell you what man just looking at it right there this offense ain't so bad i said it i said it but we'll see that's why they play the games you gotta not, not gotta exciting play to the say games. not so bad it's not so bad do you hate it drew, that's drew what they need. how do you feel about this lineup uh, i don't hate it i don't okay. hate it with one, I, I do think they're one legitimate piece away yeah. from being a postseason lineup. Uh, not a great postseason lineup, a lineup that is capable of making the postseason reasonably. Sure. So, uh, so they got to do something. Can't do nothing. I'm with Bud Black on that. All right, all of you, let us know what you want to see. And make sure you join us tomorrow for some pro wrestling slash baseball talk. Hit us up on social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rocky. Subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks, a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar. Make sure you're checking and, and RSVPing because it's, it's limited capacity and watch parties and nuggets and abs are coming back and all that stuff. So check in on it. Have some Breck Brew. Drink your Strava Craft coffee. Order a little bit of beef from Hassel Calf Company. Place some bets on DraftKings Sportsbook. All that good stuff because when you help out our sponsors, you're helping us out. And just continue to be absolutely awesome. I promise you we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.